Talk Herdy to Me. Taking a deep dive into Border Collies and other herding breeds, helping you play to their strengths, minimize their weaknesses, and understand their quirks. Listen in to learn for leading training and behavior experts on how to set your dog up for success, understand your urban herder more, and hit those training goals. Hello and welcome to Talk Herdy to Me. This is a podcast where we maximize their strengths, minimize their weaknesses and understand their quirks. And today we're going to be discussing nurture versus nature. Now, I think we should start with a couple of like definitions so that we're all on the same page as to what we're talking about. So nature versus nurture debate involves the extent at which particular aspects of behavior are products of either inherited i.e. genetic, or acquired, i.e. learned influences. So let's start with nature. Nurture is what we think as pre-wiring um, and influenced by genetic inheritance and other biological factors. So this is stuff that will be in your puppy genetically before you even get them. We then have nurture, and this is generally taken as the influences from external factors after the puppy has been born, such as exposure, life experiences, and learning of the individual. Now, a lot of people, there are sort of naturists and nurturists, which are completely divided and on opposite ends of the spectrum, where they're like, yes, it's completely nature, or no, it's completely nurture. However, I think there is kind of a middle ground for me especially, where it's kind of, they both interact with one another. So certain things would not happen if both factors did not play a part, if that makes sense. So for example, your puppy may have a predisposition for something, for certain tendencies. However, if certain life events didn't happen, those behavioral triggers would never have happened. um, And those puppies would not have um, had those behavior problems that they currently have or express certain behaviors that they currently do if that makes sense it's kind of like you have to think of certain behavioral traits as a switch and if certain things don't switch those switches on they won't be expressed if that makes sense so for me I think we need to start looking at what is nature so for me nature is anything that happens before the puppet is born um so it could be looking at the sire and the dam or the grandparents even looking at their temperament and their approaches to things are they overly confident confident are they a little bit shy are they a little bit apprehensive um do they have certain behavioral traits such as resource guarding or separation anxiety or sound sensitivity because all these things can sort of be passed down to the puppy specifically quite specifically sound sensitivity which is quite a big issue within collies um but it's not always considered when breeding collies because a lot of the time it doesn't affect a working dog when the dog is um working or from a farm it generally they're kind of in the middle of nowhere so there isn't lots of fireworks and big bangs and things like that that go off and also working collies generally don't stay in the house so they're in the um kennels at which point if there's fireworks and stuff going off the farmer may not actually know if it's on an evening and the farmer's in the house and the dogs are in the kennels may not actually know what their dog's reaction is to the fireworks if that makes sense as long as it doesn't actually impact impact how they work It doesn't really, it's not a massive factor in terms of a breeding criteria for these farmers. However, it should be and is a massive breeding criteria for collies that are going to be coming into a pet environment because I live semi-rurally and we still have fireworks that go off, even not even around bonfire night or New Year's. Every so often we will get them that go off during the day and stupid times. Luckily, both my dogs are absolutely fine with fireworks, which is great. 
but a few of my clients they really really struggle and a lot of the times there is kind of a genetic link to it where the put they've come and the puppies have been scared um if that makes sense so this is where you kind of have that that nature versus nurture where they have a genetic predisposition to be sound sensitive. However, if they're not in an environment where those sounds and things like that are happening, the behavior then doesn't express itself. So this is when we can start to see this nature versus nurture coming hand in hand together. Another thing to consider is what was happening with the bitch during um, when she was pregnant and during the whelp. So obviously if the bitch is um, incredibly stressed throughout her pregnancy um, or is in less than optimal condition or is kept in less than optimal conditions, that produces a lot of cortisol. And a lot of cortisol around developing puppies can make them more susceptible to stress. Um, so for example, even if the bitch was wonderful, but then she had a really, really stressful pregnancy or an incredibly stressful whelp, you may find that the puppies are slightly more susceptible to stress because they've been developed around such high levels of cortisol and things along those lines. So it's kind of, there's a real art to breeding dogs in terms of making sure that you've got that temperament, that personality, um, and making sure that you're rearing them in a really suitable and optimal environment for them to be really great adult dogs that are resilient um as well because for me resilience is the thing that a lot of dogs miss um specifically in collies they aren't resilient they're incredibly sensitive breed um one thing happens they're, they're they're proper sticklers for single event learning where one thing happens and it sticks with them forever they don't quite have the bounce back that a lot of other breeds have so and resilience is something that you can kind of build and but a lot of farmers and, and breeders miss out on it but it, there is an opportunity to start building it when the puppies are with the breeder and this brings us on to nurture so nurture for me is all about what happens past conception so the like I said with the puppies in the utero an element of that is nurture because it's stuff that's outside things that are affecting them although it's affecting them while they are developing and it will have physiological changes within them it is again an outside source because it's it's hormones from the mother that is coming in as well so again it's hand in hand it isn't just one or the other it's really difficult to kind of isolate this stuff and um, for me it's kind of not necessarily 50 50 but they come in hand in hand you can't have one without the other really um, there will be elements of how your puppy's brain is will affect or how your puppy's nature is will affect those experiences and how your puppy experiences those experiences and then what long lasting, if any, effects that those experiences have on your dog. So for me, nurture is then looking at how we've kind of raised our puppies and how we look after our dogs. Um, so for me, looking at things such as um, what is going on during the socialization period the socialization period is a really critical developmental period for dogs um and what people do or owners and breeders do during this um critical period will teach the puppies what is safe and unsafe it plays a massive part into shaping who they will become as adults and the socialization window there's a little bit of argument as to when it officially shuts but it, it kind of starts to start around three weeks and can go up to sort of 12 to 14 weeks and a lot of that period the puppies are with the breeder so if the breeder's doing very little with them they're not getting a lot of socialization and things like that they're not necessarily getting lots of life experiences learning what is safe what isn't unsafe and then again if they're in a home and they're getting very little because they're not taken out because they're um 
not vaccinated again they're not learning a lot a hell of a lot at which point you then start taking puppies out that are 14 to 16 weeks old because they're fully vaccinated and things and they struggle to cope with stuff because they just haven't seen enough and they haven't done enough and they haven't built that resilience that is needed um and with socialization it's all about doing it appropriately it's not about doing taking your dog anywhere and everywhere because if you've got a dog that has come that is naturally a little bit more fearful or apprehensive and you keep shoving them in situations that they can't cope with that's actually really negative for them because they're not learning how to manage and deal with themselves they're just going wow this is way too much I'm completely overwhelmed and they're not actually it's not a positive experience so it's making sure that when you are doing socialization it's lots of little positive experiences and we're doing we are getting them out and doing stuff, but we're not doing it inappropriately and, and teaching them actually that things are scary. And then again, like I said, with collies, collies are sticklers for single event learning. They're an incredibly sensitive breed, which makes them fantastic work dogs because they are so sensitive to their environments and their surroundings. They can pick up when a sheep's going to move and they, they, they just have a feel for the for what's going on around them. But that can also be a kind of detrimental to them if they have one negative incident or one negative experience. It can stick with them for life. So I have worked with um, collies in the past who have been attacked once by a dog, unfortunately, and then they have a massive um, reactivity issue because of this one incident. But then on the other hand, I've worked with clients who have puppies as young as four or five months old that are showing reactivity. Um, and it's pretty much a hell of a lot of the time. It's genetic. Um, and people mislabel it as well in terms of sometimes it is just reactivity and movement. Other times it can be anxiety based. But if a really tiny puppy is developing or displaying certain behaviours, there is a strong likelihood that there is a massive genetic element into those behaviours. Because um, I always get clients that come to me and they're like, oh, my puppy's doing this, I've done something wrong. And I'm like, your puppy is of an age where you will have had to do something incredibly wrong to get the behaviour response you're getting, which they haven't done. There is a genetic element coming into it. And this is kind of, but there's certain things in the environment that are triggering these responses. So it is, it's this nature versus nurture and it does come hand in hand. And this is why I always say to people, do your research into the puppy, the breeder, the lines, um, and don't just ask to look at the bitch, look, ask about the sire, ask about the grandparents, ask about the whole line so that you can kind of see, prepare yourself for what you're likely to be getting and making sure that if you are looking for a collie in a pet capacity, that there's certain traits that you are looking for. So confidence, no sound sensitivity, sociability, things that are massive factors for pet general pet dogs that aren't massive, necessarily massive factors for um, working sheep dogs. So it's starting to look at that because because if you get a puppy that has a natural predisposition to being that little bit more fearful or that having that little bit more of a pessimistic approach to stuff, you're going to have to work that a little bit harder to making sure that single event learning or negative incidences doesn't trigger um, reactivity or really fearful responses and making your, your dog not as happy and, and well-rounded as they could be. So it's kind of something to really consider, but then it's also being almost overprotective of your puppy to a degree where you think, okay, that awfully dog although that owner is screaming my dog's friendly my dog's friendly I would pick it up I don't know that dog from Joe Bloggs I don't want my puppy having a big dog rushing over to it and it having a negative experience for me you always have the five to one rule with puppies so for every five um for every one negative experience they have they have to have five positive ones and when you actually start thinking about that 
that's a lot. So if my puppy has one negative incident with a Labrador, I then have to have five Labradors, five positive ones with other Labradors. And unless you know people with Labradors, that's quite difficult. Um, and it can kind of like, it can almost be like a snowball effect. And once it starts, it ends up just snowballing out of control. Before you know it, you've got a puppy that really, really struggles or a collie that really, really struggles. So when we're kind of considering this nature versus nurture, for me, they always come hand in hand. There isn't just, it's not just black and white, one or the other. It's that kind of gray area where they kind of, they both work and it's a symbiotic relationship where one kind of triggers the other or the other is and the the other becomes an issue because of the other one in terms of if your puppy has a genetic predisposition to resource guarding and then the environment there is lacking of resources or there is competition for resources you may then end up seeing that your puppy is more likely to just um, express resource guarding tendencies whereas if your puppy didn't have that predisposition you may see it it would be less likely it's not like it's not a categorical thing of your puppy will or won't because of this genetics it is just more likely or less likely and other things kind of factor into as to whether the behaviour will or will not be dispersed. Okay, so we're on to our new section, which is question time. And we have a really good question coming in from Tim. So Lily is my seven-month-old border collie. Today we experienced resource guarding around a bone, which she hasn't had in about a week. We went to take it off her so we could continue with our day, which we regularly do to keep her in her schedule. But today she turned around and growled and even lifted her lip. She has never done this before. Do you have any advice? So for me, um, first thing would be if you've given your dog something, why are you going over and taking it from them? I understand that you have to keep him with your day, but would it not just be better to recall your dog away from the item rather than putting you yourself and the item in the same space? I would try and teach my dog to recall off it. I would also be doing lots of work that hands moving towards you and your, your item that you perceive to be valuable as a positive. So walking over and adding stuff to the environment rather than constantly taking things away. I would also manage um, access to these things. So if I knew that my puppy or my dog had issues around buttons and I had to go out in half an hour and I couldn't leave her with said button, I wouldn't be giving my dog the bone if I knew she was less likely to get, to kind of get bored of it within that time. I would give my dog it when I knew that she had plenty of time and I wasn't on a time scale where I had to take it away. I would then also try and work on recalling my dog away from the item so that they, I don't end up in that kind of that hot spot where my dog has the item that they, they feel possessive over and they have opportunity to guard it. Um, now, a lot of people miss a lot of low-level guarding type tendencies where they wait until it's really overt behaviours where it is the... The, the growling, the lifting of the lip, the air snapping and stuff. But a lot of time resource guarding can start way before that. And it can be just little things such as when you enter the room, they grab the bone or when they, when you enter the room or when you move towards them, they, they, they move their body weight over it and tense up or they move their head away when you go to grab it or um, they stand up and move away with said item. Little things like that are all sort of low level resource guarding. It's there because resource guarding is all about wanting to keep and have the item. Um, and the puppy in, in question is kind of six months old. So it could be the fact that the, the Tim here has said, we do it on a regular basis. We take the bone from the puppy. This could be a learned thing where the puppy has learned that every time I have my puppy, if my dad comes towards me, he picks it up and takes it away from me. At which point that would be nurture. That's a learned experience of that 
my dad moving towards me when I have something that I perceive as valuable means he, it's going to leave. Therefore, I want to keep it. I'm going to start to do certain behaviors to prevent him. So dog body language is communication. That is their way of saying, hang on a minute, I don't want you doing that. Um, so we need to start looking for when they're whispering and doing the little movements, such as the really intense eye behaviors, the tension, things like that, before they have to scream at us with the growls and the teeth and things like that. Um, so it's really important that we look at that. I don't know more about this situation, so I can't say whether there is an element of nature coming into it. Um, but from the, from what the um, postie has kind of said, he does it on a regular basis. He regularly takes bones and things like that away from his dog. Um, at which point the dog is learning that if dad approaches, bad stuff happens and she feels the need to do this. So for me, I would be looking at how we could manage the environment so that she's not in that situation. And I would be teaching her that bringing stuff to me is really fun. Recalling away from stuff is really good. And also me approaching while she has stuff is really good so that we start to reduce the value in that item and also um, reduce the feeling of, oh, my God, someone's approaching me. Will I have something I need to defend it? Um, thank you so much for joining in to talk early to me. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you have any questions or comments on the episode, please don't hesitate to get in touch. If you have any questions that you would like us to answer in our next question time, please get in touch as well. See you next week. <laughs>